Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Everybody, it's Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, and you're listening to the Wrestle Talk Podcast. It's out in the night out. You're tuned in to Wrestle Talk. 657-383-1521. We'll be discussing WWE, NXT, Lucha Underground, ROH, Fantasy Wrestling, and we'll have some of the best damn interviews for professional and independent wrestling that you've ever heard. And I'm Joe Lance. Ladies and gentlemen, buckle your seatbelts, keep your arms in the vehicle at all times. Wrestle Talk begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1... Que pasa, que pasa, que pasa, loyal members of the Wrestle Talk family. It is both an honor and a pleasure to be here on the Wrestle Talk podcast episode. 320 ladies and gentlemen and for more reasons more reasons this one than one I should say this is going to be a historic episode because for the first time ever yours truly the night owl the voice the lead of the wrestle talk podcast has some competition oh that's right I got some competition and no it's not good old nightmare jones and it's most definitely not the maestro of the microphone jeremy carp no 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 ladies and gentlemen it is the thoroughbred of lust ladies and gentlemen co-hosting the show with me for the very first time ever and i do believe we have music the one and only again the thoroughbred of lust drake lee Martinez, the nightmare, night owl himself. Sorry, uh oh, I'm fired already. The night owl himself. You get to grace your presence with Drake Lee today. How's it feel? Well, listen, on this side of the poverty line, things are okay. I can only imagine they're that much better on your side. Oh, uh, they are. Uh, they are. Actually, I have a beautiful view right now overlooking the Mississippi River. I have a glass of wine in my hand, and I am excited for his, an historic night of Russell Talk. And I'm just going to say, Renee, we can already guarantee ratings have just tripled. You know, they do call me. Well, there's no doubt I, about it. I'm sure we well, would I've disagree heard... on the reasons. I'm sure we would disagree on the reasons, but I, I completely agree on the fact that the ratings, boom, baby, are getting ready to go through the roof. That's a fact. Well, 
Yeah, no, definitely. And and you know, I have heard this before from a couple of people in, in your your guys' office. They have called me the flagship already of this show. So, you know, I think it's great. I think we have two all stars right here on the co hosting panel ready to annihilate the show. Well, you know what? Not only are you guys gonna get some kick ass hosts, you're also gonna get some kick ass guests, right? We're gonna have the opportunity to talk to David Buckler, you've heard him on the show before, okay? He was a former member of uh, the Cauliflower Alley Club. He was one of the guys in charge, right? He was co-hosting CAC uh, Radio with Morgan Dollar, okay? But now our buddy David Buckler continues his expedition through professional wrestling with a little something called Wrestle Connects. We're going to fill you guys in on all those details during our first hour interview. And then in the second hour, Drake, please tell the fans of the Wrestle Talk family or the, the Wrestle Talk podcast what they can expect from our second hour guest. My pleasure, folks. Drake Lee would not be announcing who is going to be on the show if it wasn't a big deal. And this is groundbreaking. What this guy's done, not only in the professional wrestling industry during his in-ring career, but outside of it has been groundbreaking with OVW. Folks, we are going to have on, yes, you guessed it, Al Snow, the one and only Al Snow on the WrestleTalk podcast here in the next hour and 10 minutes. Renee, I have done a lot of research. My team's done a lot of research. We've had about a couple of days to really nail this and really get, really get going and get organized. How are you feeling going into these two great interviews tonight? Because they really are. They're great. Well, bro, let me tell you something. First and foremost, I know we have our differences, but you're a wildly talented individual, one of the hottest rising stars behind the microphone in professional wrestling today. So how do I feel? I feel excited, and I feel like I'm up against a little bit of a challenge because as you and I discussed pre-show, you know, Jeremy and, and Joe, they share a lot of similarities. They're both extremely knowledgeable. They're, they're cerebral assassins, so to speak. You and me, on the other hand, we're way more out front. We're way more boisterous, and we're way more excitable. So how we counter each other with that passion, that fire, I think is going to be interesting for all the members of the WrestleTalk family to behold. Now, before we go any further, allow me to quickly thank a couple of our sponsors, I-70 Sports Media, for all your sports needs from Kansas City to St. Louis and beyond in the Midwest. Also, King Cade Arcade at the Oak Park Mall in Overland Park, Kansas. Shout out to our boy DBD and the wonderful guys over there introducing what I would dare to say is the best retro arcade in all of the Midwest. And of course, we've got the Conspiracy Farm with Pat Milicic and Jay Hollywood. Of course, we've got eSports where we host all of our beautiful watch parties. And last but not least, Royal Mills Transportation, the founder of the FWWC, which we do a fantasy podcast on Fridays. Make sure you guys check that out over at WrestleTalkPodcast.com. He also could be your personal driver if you're here in the Kansas City area. That's Royal Mills Transportation. Make sure you hit them up for all your transportation needs and let them know that the boys over at the WTP sent you, baby. With all that said, Drake, I cannot forget to do this because it's a beautiful afternoon here in the Midwest. And I could not be happier to be where I am. And that's in the good old U.S. of A. So, everybody, please respectfully remove your caps, put your hands over your heart as we pay homage to the greatest country on God's green earth. And that's America, damn it! Oh! 
I'll make up for it now. For oh, the land of the free. So here's where you say brings a tear to my eye every single time. I thought you did your homework, Trickley. What's going on with you? You're missing your cues now. Well, here's why. So I have, like, a huge packet of papers to go through. I have notes. You know, I'm very prepared. And it said on here exactly what you just quoted. And, Renee, I'm a lot of things, okay? I'm a borderline – people call me a borderline asshole, I think I'm a nice person, but I'm a lot of things, right? But I'm not a liar. I, I just personally, we know me, I'm a perfectionist, and I, I'm, why are we not using my version of the national anthem? I sing it better than everybody is what I've been told. Um, I even told – seriously, I was even told that Whitney Houston's version couldn't even touch mine. So that's, that's – Oh, come on now, man. You've you got to respect it. I know you don't respect much, frankly, but at least put a little respect – on the dead. What is wrong with you, man? I'm starting to miss Nightmare Jones already. Jeez, freaking oh. Louise, Papa Cheese. Oh, well, this is going to be a good show then. Oh, my God. All right, ladies and gentlemen, on the ones and twos, Chicky Chicky, our boy, Hardcore Hoss. Hoss, you know what to do, baby. It's time to spend the next couple of minutes hitting on a couple of high spots right here on episode 320 of the Wrestle Talk podcast. Hit it. All right, amigos, welcome to this show's edition of the high spot segment. Now, Drake, I, like you, I am a student of the game. And what I would like to do for this high spot segment, I think you'll appreciate this, seeing as you are, you know, a ladies' man, so to speak. That's what the, the word on the street is, that you are the ladies' man here on the Wrestle Talk podcast. That's the word so in the street, focus... Oh, geez, Louise. Can, can we save that for another podcast, please? That is unnecessary here. Thank you very much. Go on. I'll, I'll take that as a yes. Okay, I'll take that as yes. Okay, <laughs> okay. So during this edition of High Spots, as we wait for David Buckler to join us here in about ten minutes, we're going to focus on the ladies of professional wrestling. There's three separate topics that I want to hit on. In the second hour, we'll do another like little quick High Spots, and we'll talk a little bit of Survivor Series for those who want to talk about that sort of thing. But here's the three things I want to hit on: the recent announcement, which I know breaks your heart, of Alexa Bliss being engaged, that affect how you look at her moving forward in the WWE. Number two, Sasha Banks making an appearance in the Mandalorian. She posted on her social media account with her actual real name in the credits, which was absolutely phenomenal. And last but not least, and I think this is the one that hits closest to home, there is a young lady who we're both fans of named Rain Victoria that is going to be making her AEW Dark debut I want to get your thoughts on all three of those subjects, Drake, and you can pick whichever one of the three you want to start with. The floor is yours. Let's start with the with me, the most important thing. Let's talk about Reign Victoria, the Dynamo Pro Women's Champion, longest reigning women's champion, longest reigning champion, period, in Dynamo Pro Wrestling history. Let's talk okay, about that. Okay, can I stop you already? Can I, can I already stop you? Here's, here's why I want to stop you. I apologize. 
I just wanted I wanted to be noted that we've had women such as Mischief and Lucy Mendez in Dynamo Pro Wrestling. So being the longest reigning women's champion in Dynamo Pro Wrestling, that is nothing to cough at or sneeze at oh. even. But go ahead, Drake. I just wanted to make sure that I put that out there. Yeah, no, you're. I mean, you can go ahead and keep reading my notes if you want. But no, I, I think that's a great point. You, you hit it right my notes. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Anyway, you're right. Rain Victoria, with with the amount of talent the women have had in Dynamo Pro Wrestling, it's it's phenomenal to say the least about Rain Victoria's early career, and the fact that she's already you know been the longest reigning champion in Dynamo Pro Wrestling. And folks, what we keep you know, we we bring it up on WrestleTalk a lot. We talk about how great Dynamo Pro Wrestling is, but we don't really, I feel like sometimes you don't really explain it enough to see how many people have come out, how many wrestlers, how many, how many talents have come out of Dynamo Pro and have really made an impact in mainstream wrestling or, or you know, global wrestling. And we, Dynamo's had a really good success with that the last you know, year and a half. So the fact of the, ma- the, fact of the matter is it's it just really important. And to see Rain... I'm so excited. I just cleared my schedule, actually. Tuesday night, I'll be watching on, I don't know if you heard this, Renee, I have a wine cellar, okay? And I just had 14 really big TVs put, like, side-by-side side on my entire wall. Yes, like, I heard. Back wall of it. Yeah, so it's going to be nauseam, great to watch you bragged that. about it last, last show. Yes, I heard, unfortunately. Okay, well, well, that's where I'll be watching Rain on, and she's just phenomenal. So, I mean, it's just, I want to ta- start with her, and I just, I think what she's done uh, in, a, in a year, in a COVID year, it's very impressive. Very impressive. Well, well, there's no doubt about it. And Drake, let me piggyback before we move on to the to the next lady that we're going to be discussing here on uh, on the high spot segment. But bro, she's not facing any run of the mill kind of Johnny or or Jenny come lately. She's facing somebody that's been with AEW since I believe the very beginning in Penelope Ford. What does that say to you about the talent that they're seeing when they book somebody like Rain Victoria? Yeah, I mean it's it's it you know let's say, put it this way. We had Jay we had Warhorse come out um who was in the Dynamo Pro uh training program and he worked with Dynamo but he came out and faced Cody Rhodes. Then we have Rain Victoria coming out and facing a mainstay in AEW. And the fact of that, I mean that just makes me think well, back, you know, hindsight, you know, looking back 2020, if we could talk about this 10 years from now, right at this moment, yeah, they're pro- I could see her very easily getting built out of this. And it's really cool to see that they, this isn't just some, oh, well, we, we, feel, we feel good about her, so we'll put her on with Joe Schmo. They, they're really trying to make something out of this match. And it's what AEW's done really good at is by really creating great matches and being, creating great, you know, matchups in general. Um, for young, for new and younger talent, so uh, to get them over, so that's great. And I love that you did that callback to another Midwest superstar, a guy that I had the pleasure of actually booking myself uh, as a promoter for GWF along my uh, former, alongside my former partner uh, Justin Elijah. So I could tell you, man, uh, doing that callback to the Warhorse was absolutely perfect. Uh, what about your, what about your thoughts on uh, Sasha, Sasha Banks as the tradition continues with WWE? putting their superstars in positions to be successful beyond their in-ring career. Sasha Banks in The Mandalorian, I know for a guy like you, maybe maybe not as much as, uh, as you know, Skywalker and, and Nightmare, who are just a, a couple of nerds for the most part, but, dude, it's still pretty dang exciting to see Sasha Banks now part of the Star Wars universe. I mean, who would have thunk it? What are your thoughts on that, Drake? 
Are you ready for a short story about how this happened? Because, you know, someone had, you oh, know, dear I gosh. didn't have a lot to do with this, but I was called by the Mandalorian people. I was personally called, and they said, hey, we want <laughs> okay. you on. We want you on. So I said, okay. But you know what they did? Vince McMahon hears about it. He calls back. The guy calls back the producer or whatever, the, the casting director or the assistant. They don't have the director do that stuff, but they go, hey, we can't have you on. Because Vince only wants WWE people, and we really like this girl, and I didn't know who it was. And then I saw it today, and I said, well, you know, I think I could have done a better job. Well, Drake, all I'm going to say is this. In my line of work, when you make outrageous claims like that, we demand what we call receipts. We need proof of this, because I don't believe that anybody anywhere is calling you and considering putting you in the place of somebody like Sasha Banks. I mean, call me crazy, but that sounds outlandish. That's true. I mean, people call me a lot of things, beautiful, amazing, perfect, but this A-hole. one's just the truth. <laughs> yeah, that too. But this one's just the truth, and I'll bring them. You know, whenever we get my studio all the way set up, we'll have a great screen that you can see everything, and it'll make it all easier to understand. But, yeah, you'll understand. You know, Vince, Vince won. He's blowing up on me. One, one nothing Vince. One no, nothing bits. All right, well, go ahead, go ahead. I just wanted to say, for real, it, it's really cool to see uh, any type of talent, whether what company they're in. They could be in Jim's Backyard Wrestling or WWE. To see someone get on that type of platform is really cool. So even though it wasn't me and it should have been, Sasha, good job. Sasha, good job indeed. And you know what, bro? What, what I went back and did, because I'm like you, I like to go back and do my research. So what I went back and did is I started to kind of look at the, the people that have made that transition from pro wrestling to the other forms of, of entertainment. Um, well, the one that really stuck out to me was John Cena. Obviously we could talk about the rock forever, but John Cena did an interview back in 20, uh, what, 2006 with Howard Stern and Howard Stern was asking him some pretty poignant questions uh, about, Hey, how do you feel about, you know, having to cut the old man uh, a percentage how do you feel about the old man owning your name, your government name, which is actually, you know, John Cena's name is actually John Cena, for those who don't really know that. Um, he said he was okay with it, and he felt comfortable with it because he said that if it wasn't for Vince McMahon, that he'd still be parking cars in southern Boston. So to me, that was a kind of a unique perspective because there's a lot, of, a lot to be said about ownership. I know you're a business owner yourself, Drake, but for, for somebody to have the humility and the wherewithal to acknowledge that they owe where they are in great part to somebody like Vince McMahon it makes me wonder if all this backlash that we're seeing from Selena Vega and the third-party streaming sites, which we could talk a little bit more about this in the second hour. I actually would love to hear David Butler's uh, opinion on this because he's been around wrestling for a long time and, and he's seen you know so many different things happen. But dude, do you think that John has the right perspective as far as like, no, it's okay, I don't mind? Or do you think that there should be a little bit more entitlement with these superstars that are getting these opportunities outside of WWE, like Sasha Banks is doing with the Mandalorian. I know that's a loaded one, bro, but do your best. Yeah, no. So do my best. I'm going to do amazing. It was a good question. So <laughs> John Cena's right. I hate, and, and everyone's going to be going, Oh, well, that's because Drake's an ass and he doesn't well, want people. Well, wait, to we got we to hear what the wrestle talk family thinks about that. Wrestle talk family. What do you think? about Drake Lee saying that John Cena's right. Let's hear from the WrestleTalk family here. I think we're about to hear here in just a moment. Let's hear what they think about that. There it is. 
The fans have spoken. They agree with you, Drake. Well, they should because, I mean, let's be honest. Everyone gives Vince a lot of crap, and Vince is a crazy guy. But what he's good at is making people a lot of money, even though – you hear like all the you know the sob stories of oh well he did this and we didn't make as much money as him and John Cena wanted to do this so I couldn't go in that match and but listen I I get it we all want to be superstars we all want to be the we all want to be Steve Austin and John Cena but at the end of the day both of them I feel like if you asked them would say yeah we we didn't you know we didn't submit to Vince McMahon but we also didn't become you know just a tr- you know a complete trailblazer and a renegade and decide everything that he's doing is wrong and that's what these guys are doing almost now well this isn't right well it's been the way it has been for 25 years so what's not right about it you know he's made wow. <laughs> these well guys said. these guys these guys are making five dollars an hour and now they're making a hundred thousand a year two hundred thousand a year <laughs> there's no to me after that much growth in a in a portfolio and a salary, there should be no complaints coming from anybody. <laughs> yeah, and, hey, and with that said, that that even that doesn't put them in Drake Lee's tax bracket, am I right? No, no, not even close. <laughs> All right, well, you know what, Drake? This party is about to get way more lit, as the young people say, because we have a return guest. That's right, a longstanding member of the WrestleTalk family is back. And we can talk about all the stuff that he's done in the past. You guys know his accomplishments. And if you want more detail, just go check out the press release over at WrestleTalkPodcast.com. That'll be up later this week, okay? But, guys, this gentleman is going into an endeavor that we have to get into because I think it is going to revolutionize pro wrestling as we know it today. And this company is called WrestleConnects. I cannot wait to talk to the one and only David Buckler all about it. Ladies and gentlemen, go ahead and hit that music, Hoss, as we welcome back in the one and only David Buckler. Hey guys, how you doing today? Great to be on the show. Great to be yeah, talking to you, brother. Indeed, indeed. Dream yeah, I really appreciate the <laughs> uh, It's great to be back on the show. Uh, really, really uh, appreciate you reaching out and look forward to spending some time with you. Woo! I'm ready. Well, listen, David, you're gonna love this. We've got a bit of a greenhorn on the line with us. Typically it's myself and nightmare, but now we've got the one and only, let let me look up this nonsensical nickname that you gave yourself. The thoroughbred of lust. Drake Lee is co-hosting with me for this evening. Joe's still around. (laughs) He's not here today. (laughs) So we're going to go ahead and let him take the lead because you know, I've got a bunch of questions like I always do, but Drake, the floor is yours with our first guest on episode 320, the one and only David Butler. Go ahead. You know, I do want to point out because Renee so falsely claimed that I'm a greenhorn. I am, I've been told this Dave by a lot of people. They say I'm like the new flagship of the wrestle talk show, but that's, we're kind of neither here nor <laughs> oh there. But thank you. But here's my first question. I just want to kind of dive into it because I was looking at this the other day, actually uh, David Marquez put it up on his Facebook and yes. I was reading through what you guys are kind of uh, encompassing with Wrestling Connects, 
And it's just, it's amazing. I saw a bunch of different things that I'm kind of, I, I'm, I get what they are, but I'm not really understanding it, I don't think, all the way with, with some healthcare stuff or what you guys provide for wrestlers. And I'm just curious if you can just kind of give us a brief, up, you know, rundown of, of kind of what, what this product's going to do for the industry. Because what I can tell, and it's just talking with Renee and, and Skywalker and all those guys, this is huge. Because it, it, this is, to me, this is like the first time, for, in all honesty, the first time of real someone who has, you know, legitimate experience, a lot of people on this team, they're really giving something back to wrestlers to really create um, not only their professional brand, but to help them grow as a person and to help them stay healthy. And I think that's really important. And I'm really curious to see what you have to say about it, how this kind of idea developed and how it, how these events transpired to put you in the position you are now. Yeah, that's a great intro to Wrestle Connects. And, and I want to back up just a little bit because the history of how this came about is important. The four founders are President Gloria Lavelle, our Vice President Howard Brody, our Treasurer Scott Hosey, and, and myself as a secretary. We had been executive board members of the Cauliflower Alley Club. And still all our life members of the CAC still highly support that organization. When we were there with the CAC, uh, we, we formed a nice bond, and we would talk from time to time about additional ways we could help workers in the business, not just the wrestlers, but the ring announcers, the referees, the, and everyone associated with putting a show together. And it was always something we, we knew we wanted to try, but weren't quite sure what that meant or what it looked like. So it took some time, and we would stay in touch until finally we came together in August and said, Let's start really kicking around some ideas. What are the shortfalls? What are the areas that are missing? What do wrestlers need? What do the individuals need? So we came up with this idea of WrestleConnects, and, you know, it really started to, to really grow each week when we would have our board meetings because we weren't sure other than we thought we had a really good idea. And every week it got a little more interesting to us and a little more uh, momentum, if you will oh, yeah, this, this could work, this could work. So we started reaching out to individuals in other industries that we could bring in. So when you talk about the healthcare benefits, we reached out to a company that for members, because it's a members-only organization, WrestleConnect is a members-only organization, you will be able to reach out to them to get, to get healthcare, to buy yourself uh, low-cost, good healthcare. They also have dental care and other plans, vision that you can get for yourself because we understood that a lot of pro wrestlers are missing that. They don't have it or they, they can't afford the plans that are out there. So that was an example. And once we went into like the healthcare area, then we looked at maybe some life insurance. That's another really great area that we could be helpful. And, and, and it really started to grow. I will say that uh, the one piece of WrestleConnect that I'm personally the most excited about is that individuals will be able to have an electronic press kit uploaded right into our site that will allow you to connect with other promotions around the country. I've had friends of mine that say, yeah, but you know, wrestlers can do that on YouTube and there's other avenues out there on the internet. But for me, having one centralized area where promotions can go to look for headshots, match video, you can upload promos, all your contact information, and you as a wrestler or a performer can also see the promotions work because they're going to upload what their shows look like. I think it's a win-win, and I'm very excited all the way around. Wow. Can we just talk about that? I know that 
uh, Renee's going to want to ask you questions, but I, I want to piggyback on that last part because that, to me, is all the other stuff you guys are providing is above and beyond. I mean, that's really that's really groundbreaking. That's that's really going to elevate, I think, the entire industry. I really do. I've actually told this to Renee and, and to, to Luke Roberts. But my question is this. I hear this all the time because you made you made the counterpoint in this. Well, well, I can just do this on Twitter. I can just do this on my Facebook. But what you're saying is that you guys have encompassed an entire portfolio into one direct place. So they could so they could see a promotion could see everyone's material instead of looking and clicking through eight different links to find one and then to move on. Absolutely. And, by- and the way I look at it, oh, I'm sorry, I was going to say real quick. The way I looked at it was when I was looking for promotions to work as a ring announcer. I mean, you can hunt and peck all over the internet, but I didn't really know where to go to look. There's, there's how many promotions are out there? There's a, so many hundreds all over. I was looking in Pennsylvania, Maryland, Delaware, West Virginia, Virginia. I want to go and see a list and be able to quickly look at the ones that are highly rated and have good shows. And who do I reach out to? What are the contact information that I need? And, and it gives me confidence as a performer too. It's not just a one-way street where the promoters want to look – on YouTube and find a guy who's six foot three, you know, and, 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 and has a look that he's uh, searching for. So I think it's really important that it's a two way connection there between the performer and the promotion. Without a doubt. And, and this is really, it, to me, it's phenomenal because me just thinking about it from a young, uh, someone who's like I said, a year and a half in, like Renee said, I don't agree with the term, but I'll take it a year and a half in. So I basically, it's you're putting me at an advantage over because I get to keep, I could keep updated like chronologically for my career, and I think that puts younger wrestlers at a great advantage because how many times do you know, you know, and you probably experienced this a lot with, you know, talking to guys that really want to branch out and do something new in the industry, and they don't have all their information updated, all the you know the wrestling resume that we always hear about, and to see that that kind of, even though it's it's the same thing to have that really you know, streamlined into one platform to make it to where you can stay up to date on yourself and keep up with history on yourself. So that way, when, when things happen, you can go back and look and to see, well, how did that last match and, you know, such and such translate and how did this one go and what's the reception in these areas and doing analytics on that, that's, it makes it so much easier. I think, I mean, this, you make it so much easier for any talent, whether they're an in-ring worker or a commentator or both like me. You know, so it's just, it's really incredible. Yeah, and once we got, like I mentioned, the, the insurance piece, that was a world big one because we, we know that's a, an area that a lot of individuals need help with. But we started looking at other, other types of areas that wrestlers need when they're performing. For example, a lot of them travel from Pennsylvania, maybe down to, uh, you know, down to Maryland, uh, and they want to spend the night because it's a long ride home. Well, there's all kinds of travel discounts on car rentals, on hotels. We have partnered with a, with a company that has a WrestleConnect membership number. You, you can, I mean, you, basically your membership of forty nine ninety five a year pays for itself the first time you use even the hotel discount. So it, it's really, like I said, forty nine ninety five a year for its members, and, and just the travel discounts alone uh, are really going to pay for themselves. And it keeps growing with uh, additional things like food and drink discounts, tickets dis- uh, ticket discounts to uh, amusement parks and, and movie theaters, and all of those kinds of things that it could be a lot of fun for, for you or families and things of that, that nature. And we also uh, started reaching out to individuals, individuals to help with, like, legal advice. Uh, if you need some legal advice, 
if you need some help with financial planning. So we're going to have a resources area that's continuing to evolve. Nothing like this happens overnight where you're completely set up right away. Uh, and we're very excited about the individuals we reached out to that are willing to be a part of the WrestleConnect family for its members. Yeah, I, you know, it, you're absolutely right. And so my question, I have two before I, I'm going to push things over to Renee. My first one is that how, what was the biggest challenge for that health insurance to be kind of to, to incorporate that in your, in your guys' idea and your plan? I, I, I could imagine that this was probably a really tedious process with not even just health insurance, but a lot of different type of things like that. So it was, what, was that the biggest hiccup? What was the biggest hiccup in kind of starting this idea? And then um, after that, I'll, I'll ask my last one and send it over to the night owl. That's a great question. And ironically, that was not the biggest hiccup. Our uh, vice president, Howard Brody, had a connection in the business, and, and he started talking to that person about, would your company be willing to, to you know, insure these individuals? And they were kind of just going through a roundtable. And, and when he got sort of a verbal commitment on how that would work, that's when Howard came to the table and said, oh, my goodness, we've got to go ahead and do this because we have this. This is something we're going to be able to offer. I will tell you the biggest hiccup. We had a really good idea, but sometimes you get excited for something, and then it's a lot of work, and people drop off. It, 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 you know, so we had a couple individuals. We had a, a, actually more founders than the four of us, and it's just a lot of work. And they, they said for various reasons right now this isn't right for them. And, you know, you got to get, you know, it's a nonprofit organization. It's a 501C8. And to work on a nonprofit, you have to have very dedicated individuals and just making sure we had that commitment to grind through the details to provide WrestleConnects, that was really the biggest hurdle. And once people really signed on, then, I, then it was just full speed ahead. And you're right, because I, I have worked with a lot of, in my, my business, a lot of non-for-profits. And that time, you're right, to take out of your day to really to make this a great product, it, it, that's, I could easily see that being a huge challenge. Because we all have lives at the end of the day, but to find a team of motivated people to really push something along is, is pretty, pretty incredible too. And that's hard to find also. And my last question, yeah. And my last question for you is just, it's just going to be a simple one because I wanted to wrap it up with this for, for potential, you know, wrestlers that are out there that are listening to this going, this is something I need to explore. So you guys are just start you guys are just starting off, which I'm incredibly excited for. But my question to you is, are you guys already more, are you guys um, confident and um, your ease of access for your website, is it easy for people to find? Is it going to be more of a mobile feature, or is this something people need to be on their desktop for? And um, how are you going to evolve that, do you think, in the next couple of years as you see it fit? Yeah, it's a great question, and it ties into what you mentioned with Dave Marquez earlier because one of the areas that we've really, really tried to – uh, explore and make sure we had commitments from were our initial group of ambassadors. Because the truth is, as much as, as the founders, we believe in it, we have to have individuals really active in the wrestling business right now to get our message out. These types of podcasts are very helpful, but we have right now five initial ambassadors, Sergeant Slaughter, James J. Dillon, uh, cheerleader Melissa, Rockin' Robin, Robin Smith, or her name, and Dave Marquez, and we need them to give us some credibility, frankly, that the, the uh, services we're providing are valuable and we're going to listen to our ambassadors as well to make them even more valuable. And we're going to be all over social media from uh, Twitter to Instagram 
We have a great website. We have a great Facebook page. We don't want anyone to wonder how do I access WrestleConnect and how do I access those benefits. That's a continuously evolving area, though, and we're going to keep getting better and better at it. Wow. Wow. I, I'm honestly blown away because I, when I first saw this website, um, it was weird because um, Skywalker, who just uh, Roberts, had just decided, hey, we, I'd really like to bring, you know, um, David on, and I was. It was funny because right when I got the message, I was reading the website, and I'm going. I even I was reading the cinema message. Hey, we need to get the guy that runs this on here, and the fact yeah. that we kind of found that um, kind of coincidentally is really cool. But I think it's just an, a, extraordinary. And what you're doing with having ambassadors, it adds a really cool, I think, check and balance feature too. Where you know sometimes we get promotions where, um, or any in the wrestling industry, you know. Certain people are on management side, and, you know, some people are just on the boys' side. And it's great to have that check and balance system where you have older, experienced um, veterans in the, in the industry, you know, there to help the process and help, you know, ease communications, help make things more transparent and to get more people involved. Mm-hmm. I think that's really incredible. Um, but, you know, yeah. as much as I like to hear myself talk, Dave, David, <laughs> I, I just – I really do – but I think Renee wants to ask you some questions because I feel like if I was sitting next to Renee right now, I'd be getting some kicks under the, you know, under the table going, let me in, let me in. <laughs> well, let me tell you something, Drake. I grew up Catholic, so you wouldn't be getting kicks. You'd be getting the same pinches that I used to get from my mom when I wasn't paying attention in mass. She'd just, like, pinch my leg, and she'd tell me in Spanish, of course, she'd be like, just wait till we get home. You're not paying attention. You're not being – that's what you would be getting because you're infringing on my time. But you know what? I'm going to try to take it easy because I'm very excited about David being here, Uh, especially because I admire him outside of what he's doing with Wrestling Connects. And the reason I admire him is not only because of his contributions to the CAC, but his career as a ring announcer. As you know, Drake, I like to dabble a little bit in the commentary world, also in the ring announce world. So, David, for those of you who didn't hear you the last time you came on the show – Can you talk to us a little bit about your time uh, as a ring announcer with a primal conflict with BCW? And maybe is there like a a fun story from a show or being on the road that you could share with some of the listeners here tonight? (laughs) Yeah. And it's sort of ironic because I did my last show in September of 2019. Uh, I'm, I'm closing in on 50 and the travel was getting harder. My kids are getting older. And and I really decided that I wanted to focus on some other areas of my life. So I I haven't uh, done any ring announcing since September of 2019, and yet it wasn't that much longer after that that COVID caused how many shows to have to cancel. The whole business changed, and it was just strange timing. I I hope, though, once things get picked back up and and I'm getting the itch again, I would like to maybe uh, be back into it, at least maybe a show here and there, because I miss it. And what I miss the most about it is the fans. I really enjoyed being in the locker rooms and seeing the talent in there. But once I worked, like, for example, with Primal Conflict Wrestling, and you see the same people coming back to the show every month, you realize, like, these people have choices on how they spend their money, and they were choosing to spend the money to buy a ticket to come see the show, and they deserve our best effort every time. And I miss the fans. I mean, you connect with them on Facebook once in a while, but the energy that they would bring was always a lot of fun. So... I tell you two things about the ring announcing. First, it really helped my real job because now that we're all at home, uh, working from home during this time, I do a lot of Zoom calls and a lot of meetings over like Join Me and Microsoft Teams. 
And it's sort of a radio show, right? We're not in the same room. There's no personal interaction. It is very different. (laughs) You're right. Yeah. I feel like the interaction with these individuals now is sort of like what I would do when I was doing OWW radio or CAC radio. Uh, and, and the ring announcing helped that. The other, the other thing is I had a, a nice opportunity over the years to work with a lot of veterans like Hillbilly Jim, Coco Beware, Tito Santana, it, guys that I grew up watching and, and really liking. And I will tell you, the only one that made me really, really, really nervous was Jerry Lawler. Because oh, wow. he got in the ring. <laughs> the king, yeah. That's the king. I can understand yeah. that. I mean, it made me really nervous because he got in the ring to start his match, and he gave me the crown. I'm outside the ring. Uh, you know, I just got out, out of the ring, and he gave me his crown to hold during the match, and then he was going to come back afterward and get the crown. And I'm thinking, oh, for the love of God, just don't drop the crown. Like, whatever you do. <laughs> I mean, like, don't trip over a cord. Don't, like, you know, get distracted and bump into a table. And, and whatever you do, don't drop this crown. You know, and embarrass yourself in front of the crowd. And I'll tell you one thing about Jerry Lawler was a thousand percent professional. He was a great guy. Well, and you know what? We continue to hear that about Jerry Lawler. Um, Anybody that we've talked to from Tracy Smothers to Kevin Sullivan, uh, oddly enough, Jerry Lawler came up in both of those conversations. Uh, God rest your soul, Tracy. We love you and we miss you, bub. Uh, But yeah, they always said the same thing about Jerry Lawler, man. So it's great to hear you echo that as well uh look i want to stay on the on the subject of primal conflict and just a very brief story for you here david so we tried to book tyler Steele for the show on several occasions and he respectfully declined and so i kind of i'm kind of a stubborn guy um which is i I think part of the reason that the show's been successful i hate to take no for an answer so tyler was always apprehensive about coming on because i think he felt like he was going to be ambushed for some reason some demon from the past was going to come back and haunt him. Well, we found that once we got him on the show, he was one of our best interviews ever. You've had a chance to work closely with Tyler. Can you talk to us about your experiences with him as a promoter? Oh, yeah. In fact, he and I became friends, and, and that's not a word you hear in this business a lot. If we're being Indeed. honest, it's, you know, it's, a tough biz- it's a tough business. And uh, he, he was very nice to me when I started working for PCW, and I always liked the organization of his shows. To me, that was first and foremost – I always got the rundown sheets. I was always given the access I needed to prepare for the show. And he, I always enjoyed the, the, the card that he put together and, and just in general, the professionalism in his locker rooms. And he demanded it. I, I really liked that about him. I worked for him for about four or five years. And, and over the, the course of that time, we became friends. So even though Primal Conflict is dark right now, they're not running – and I'm not really doing a lot of ring announcing. He and I still stay in touch. You get together for a beer once in a while. He's a great guy. Also a very knowledgeable guy about the history of wrestling. So I love picking his brain. No doubt about it. Well, make sure you let him know that the boys over at Wrestle Talk Podcast uh, said hello next time that you talk. The, the other thing that I wanted to touch on is uh, as a ring announcer, you obviously have to have a personality, right? You got to be able to get out in front of the crowd. I've had to do the same thing. And it's tough because you're really the icebreaker and so in doing my research, you know, I'm looking up your professional career, looking through your social media or whatever, and I found that you tend to be a bit of a creative guy when it comes to your Halloween costumes. I know we're about two weeks removed from then, but I've seen you dressed <laughs> as, uh, as the, the, the manager uh, for a baseball team. I'll let you tell folks about that costume a little bit. And then uh, I believe this year uh, you kind of switched it up a little bit and went with a kind of a different theme. Like I said, I know we're only a couple of weeks out from Halloween, 
but uh, what makes you kind of be willing to like dress up and, and get creative like that, man? Because clearly that personality shines through in more than just your ring announcing. Yeah, well, that's such a that's such a good good point, a good question. And well, first of all, when it comes to Halloween, I don't have a whole lot of say because my wife chooses what we're going to dress up as. She always, she always tells me, because yeah. listen, I've been pushing for like Macho and Liz for like five years now. I want to, uh, I, yeah, and, and uh, I, I get a no, you know. And uh, although this past year I wanted to be Trump and Melania because she's from Guatemala originally, and I thought that'd be kind of fun. But anyway. Um, I get overruled. I dress up whatever she orders. Yeah. I did, though, a couple years at work, uh, a couple years ago at work, uh, for a Halloween thing. I did go as Macho Man. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really funny. Like, everyone loves wrestling. Even if they don't want to admit that they love wrestling. So, you know, I did a kind of little belt, and you do, the, you do the bandana and the purple shirt. And, and, like, everyone else there loved it. You know, like, and you had people dressed up like, you know, the, the typical things, like Jailbird you know, king and queen, typical stuff, right? Like the typical Halloween, the right. naughty nurse, whatever. Typical. And like, everyone's like, oh my God, it's Macho Man. <laughs> it steals the show every time. <laughs> it gets over every <laughs> damn time. Right? Agreed. Right? And if you, if you even try to do a savage impression, like they just go crazy. So it, when, it, when, it, when it was fun is that pro wrestling should be fun. And uh, I, I really try to bring that. But you talk about the personality and the ring announcer being the icebreaker. I think the thing that I was always aware of, maybe sometimes I was successful, maybe sometimes I wasn't, is the shine's got to stay on the wrestlers. And when I, yeah, I would come out of the curtain for PCW and, and, you know, they'd seen me for four or five years and the fans liked me. I liked them. And, you know, it was, it was sort of like I got a little bit of a pop and I didn't, I was a little uncomfortable about it, to be honest. Because as much as I appreciated it, the pop should be for Dirty Money or Bobby Shields or, you know, Black Wall Street, whoever's coming out. And, and, and they got great reactions, too. But I, I just felt like, you know, guys, I'm, I'm sort of just part of the window dressing here. Let's keep the focus on the wrestlers. They're the ones putting their bodies on the line. And I wanted to keep the focus there. Um, that, but, you know, <laughs> to be honest, inside it felt pretty good. Dude, that's, that's awesome. And by the way, uh, for those that wanted to know, you did dress up as the coach from uh, a league of their own, the old baseball oh, yeah, league yeah, with sure. John Hanks, right? And then you also dressed up as the prince on po- in po- Pocahontas, which I've never seen a wig look worse on a man before. I'm just going to say it right now, David. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, let me, tell, let, let, me, let me be honest with you. I'm horrified that those pictures exist. So my wife looks fabulous as Pocahontas. <laughs> And I, I look like some schmuck that she picked up at the local grocery store. And, you know, even worse, the costume <laughs> I'm John Smith. That's even worse. Like, John? it's even like a stupid name. <laughs> and I love, I'm just I looking at your, your pants tucked all the way into your boots. It's fantastic. Guys, make sure you follow David Buckler on Facebook. And, of course, you guys will find Wrestling Connects, a link to Wrestling Connects. There as well. Well, my last question for you is this, and, and I want to throw, throw it back to Drake before we get into uh, the shoot and shout segment. Well, so you've been doing this for a long time. The CAC, the ring announcing, now you're doing WrestleConnects. Could you share with us maybe uh, uh, what you would consider to be one of your career highlights up to this point and maybe one of your career lowlights? Oh, yeah. It's, it's very easy for me. So uh, I, I was very, very lucky over the years. And I was, you know, I also worked hard and took advantage of, of some opportunities. But 
Beth Phoenix is my all-time favorite wrestler, and when we honored her at the CAC with a Women's Wrestling Award, I, uh, she came on my radio show, and I got to know Beth a little bit over the years, and, and, and just a, a wonderful woman, and uh, so happy for her her and, and Adam Copeland and their, their family and uh, what's happened to her. So having her on the radio show was a real career highlight for me. It'll never be, it'll never be top. But I also was very honored at the CAC to work with Gene Okerlund and Jim Ross uh, and, and, and to share the stage with those gentlemen, uh, it just was like, wow. Yeah, I mean, especially me and Gene, who, for me, you know, growing up in the 80s, I just respected him so much. And, and I had the chance to kind of sit with him and learn. And I, I want to circle back to that, the, the learning, because as much as I think I have learned, I have so much more to learn. And that was another driving part of WrestleConnects as well. We're going to have uh, hopefully monthly, but semi-regularly scheduled uh, web calls with our ambassadors. Uh, and other individuals that members can call in and just talk to them, talk to them kind of off the record about, you know, what do I need to do to get better? What, what's really going on in the wrestling business? And I think we all can get better at what we do because it should be a collaborative uh, profession. And when you say the most embarrassing or the worst, uh, there were a couple times when I was hosting the CEC banquets where I, I tripped up on, on a fact. Like if someone actually did not win an award in the past, I thought had, and it, it reminded me how important preparation is. So when you're doing a radio show, when you're when you're in front of a crowd, going out to the ring, make sure you got your facts right. I don't want to introduce a, a, someone coming to the ring and say they're from Baltimore when they're really from Philly. I don't want to assume that I know how they want their name to be announced. You know what I mean? So I, I, I made some mistakes early on, especially where I thought I was pretty good at what I did and I didn't do enough diligence i didn't do enough learning to really do my best that won't happen again that's great advice and and, you know you're absolutely i get on renee all the time he's never prepared you know like i am and you know (laughs) (laughs) but no dave you're such a liar drake you're such a liar (laughs) (laughs) well you know six to one half a dozen the other you know but Here's my, you know, I want to leave with this because I feel like you, you're probably going to be pretty appreciative of it because I have been just because I'm really, I really like to see growth and not only just with certain wrestlers and talent and ring announcers and interviewers, but growth in the business and the industry. And what you're doing is growing it exponentially, in my opinion. I think it's going to be a really big deal in, in the coming years. I think it's going to be one of those things that almost every wrestler, especially every wrestler knows about, but a lot of um, just average Joes that aren't work, that aren't you know um, wrestlers or valets or whatever you call them or whatever you have really you know they're gonna know about it too the fans will know about mm-hmm. it I think that's really important but one other thing I wanted to get your um, viewpoint on and opinion on is we're having on Al Snow in, in the next couple of minutes and what he's done with OVW with with the you know vocational school and or the technical school and all the stuff he's doing to kind of build not only someone as a wrestler but to build them as a person. What do you feel? How? What are your thoughts on 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 what OVW is doing? Because I haven't personally heard them. If you have expressed them in the past, with me being new on the show, and then number two, how do you think you get? Is there a way do you guys think you could correlate um, what they're doing and, and kind of help grow the business even quicker than what you guys are doing now, which is already incredible? Do you see a relationship there or with newer um, wrestlers going into that school to help you know get them on the right track when they get out of the when they graduate the program? How does that look for you? What What are you thinking about? Well, I think it, it certainly signals great things for the future. And for, first of all, I worked with Al before, 
in, in Leesburg, Virginia. And, and I, I remember he was a great guy, great guy. And when I remember when he was out for his match, you know, the crowd was so excited to see him. And I, I had the privilege of interviewing Buff Bagwell one time. And I'll never forget this. And on the radio show, Buff said, you know, you've got to make a dent in this business. There's a lot of guys come and go, a lot of girls that come and go. You gotta make a dent. What stands out? What's good, what are people gonna remember about you? And I remember that when Al came out because the crowd remembered him so fondly. They were crazy for him, and he and he gave a great performance. And it's really hard to do. And so he's a great individual to continue what OVW is doing, passing on what they've learned. It's very easy, I think, to watch TV and think I want to do what that guy on TV is doing, but that doesn't mean that's what you should be doing. And so I hope that, that the individuals that Al works with and, and anyone out there that is being trained or listening to folks like James J. Dillon or Sergeant Slaughter, listen to what they're telling you about creating your own identity, the way you're going to make a dent in the business. Because if, if I look back on my career or on the, on the wrestlers that I love, it's the ones that felt most authentic to me in this, in this crazy world of pro wrestling, right? So, right. Well, I mean, I, I, if you yeah. can't believe your if you can't believe your bullshit, how can anyone else, right? Uh, there's a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So I love the fact, <laughs> well, you know, when, when veterans like him give back and 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 tell you, you know, I, listen to me, I'm trying to help you. And the ones that succeed and take it to the next level do listen. Uh, they may not like everything they hear, but it's the same thing we're going to do at WrestleConnects. We're going to try to help. We're going to try to, you know, we're going to learn from each other and connect with each other. And I think it's important as the generations go forward that we learn from the past and, and where, you know, where the successful wrestlers have been. You just hit it right on the head because I, I, I kind of really did want to transition this point before I, I flipped it back over and I said, you know, my farewells. But what I think that's that's huge, not only just for wrestling, but what I try to instill when I have like meetings with, with local uh, youth programs and things to that nature and I have speeches for schools and I, I do do that. Um, but a lot of times, especially in my generation, me being 21 and, and gorgeous, just ask Renee, you, we have kids <laughs> that that they expect all their criticism to be built up around them. Like, hey, even though you really did something bad, good job. It, 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 they want that as criticism instead of saying, hey, here's what you did okay. Here's what you didn't do well at all at. Here's what we can help you on, and here's what you can look at to use. And they take that as some, them being dogged on in a lot of cases, not just in wrestling, but like I said, with life. And the fact that, you know, like you said, Al Snow's, Al Snow does it and all these veterans that have done it, like Tracy Smothers and, you know, we could probably list an encyclopedia of guys like this. They need, you know, <laughs> you got to take what they're saying, not with a grain of salt, but with great respect because they're taking time out of their day when they don't need to to help somebody. And I think what you just said to summarize that was really great. It, it, it's not going to be what you want to hear all the time. It's what's going to help you is what you need to hear. Mm-hmm. Amen. Agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. Well, Drake, make, making a great point there, and I, and I apologize if I cut you off, David. What I want to do now is transition to the final part of this interview David, when you joined us last time, you joined us in the second hour, and if you remember, we did a little bit of a trivia challenge where I believe you defeated Nightmare Jones. In the first hour, we got a little bit of shtick here that we call the shoot and shout segment, and it's a little bit of a therapeutic session. Everybody gets 30 to 45 seconds to get it off their chest. Anything in the world that happens to be bothering you, whether it's wrestling-related or you're just pissed off that you bought a bag of chips and it was only halfway full, 
We do it, and it's usually a whole lot of fun. It's usually a whole lot of fun. We've got some music that we're going to play just so that you guys both get the gist of it. I'll go first. Drake will go second. And by the time it's your turn, David, I'm sure you'll know exactly what to do. Are you boys game? Roger that. Do I get paid if I say no? Drake, you always get paid. That's true. (laughs) Fair enough. Hardcore Hoss, MC in the back. You know what to do, baby. Let's go ahead and get into tonight's edition of the Shoot and Shout segment. Gentlemen, yours truly, the night out is going to go first in this week's edition of the Shoot and Shout segment. I'm going to keep it real simple, and it's not wrestling related this time. My Shoot and Shout is about Christmas music being played way too soon. The moment the sun goes down on October 31st, that's Halloween for those of you guys not paying attention, Immediately, there are 14 radio stations here in the Midwest that are playing Christmas music, and Mariah Carey rises out of her grave, or out of the casket like the freaking Undertaker at WrestleMania, and we've got two and a half months of Christmas music. Let me tell you something, Chicos. I've got young children. They can be a little annoying, okay? I've got I'm an operations manager at my day job. That can be a little bit annoying, but nothing is more annoying than two and a half months of the same six Christmas songs over and over and over. I am losing my mind, and for that reason, I am never turning on terrestrial radio ever again. I'm sick of it. No Christmas music until after Thanksgiving. You know why? Because the night owl said so, dang it. That's my shoot shout for tonight. Drake Lee, have at it. Well, night owl, two points. One is I am sorry because I'm a huge fan of Christmas music, so I had to make it a point to have my distribution company Contact some radio stations because wherever I go, I go a lot of places. I need to hear some Mariah Carey. She's a saint, an absolute saint, but I'm sorry that happened to you, and we'll fix it. Now, here's my thing. Renee, you've been on 170, okay, in St. Louis. You're heading, you're going on the road, you're going 70 miles an hour, okay? Traffic's light, and all of a sudden you get a little bit a little bit clustered, and but there's still ways out, right? Wrong. In St. Louis, apparently the new law is if you're in – a semi-traffic jam with ways to get around said traffic jam, you have to drive 45 miles an hour in the passing lane. (laughs) Who the hell do these people they are? Just because you feel like going 45 doesn't mean my rich, beautiful ass doesn't want to go 25 too. I want to get to where I need to go. I got places to go, women to see, and bills to pay, and I don't have time when I'm sitting there in St. Louis traffic right ready to rush hour, and I got some freaking demented geriatric old man that shouldn't be driving, but his kids just let him drive anyway, and he's just going at the speed of his own pace. That's annoying. We need to fix that. David, what do you got? (laughs) (laughs) It's great. Well, I was going to spend my time screaming about the Dallas Cowboys because as a lifelong fan, I I don't know that we've ever been in a worse spot, but okay. (laughs) I don't want my my blood pressure to go too high. I I wanted to pass on. David, 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 let 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 me console you before you even go off. At least our cities, right, Dallas and Kansas City, at least we have football teams anymore, right, Drake? True, true. Uh, you know how I feel about football. <laughs> Negative five stars. <laughs> Go ahead, David. 
Yeah, I, I wanted to talk about a recent book I read I, I by someone, uh, a writer named Thomas Hall. He wrote The History of Saturday Night's Main Event. I'll look back at WWE's first venture into primetime. And, and I'll tell you, I, I was so excited to read this book because it's still to this day my favorite television show of all time. He goes through all the episodes and, and gives a, a, a letter grade to each match. But here's what I find so interesting. He does a really good job, I love the book, about summarizing sort of the impact of the show. In other words, when Monday Night Raw became popular, there really wasn't a need. When there were more pay-per-views, there wasn't a need for Saturday Night's main event. But here's where he missed the mark, because he's a young man. He's, young, he's a lot younger than I am, and he didn't live in the 80s staying up till 1130 on Saturday nights when your parents were telling you to go to bed. The impact of that show, because it was the only time you saw good matches outside of WrestleMania and, and, and a select few other times if you went to the house shows, et cetera. So he gave match grade uh, that I thought were way too low because if you just go back and watch it now, you don't understand what it was like to be 13 years old at Hershey Park Arena. When I saw the Madness Meet the Mania, you know, it's not the greatest match ever, Honky Tonk Man versus Randy Savage. But I am telling you, when Honky Tonk Man pushes Elizabeth down in Hershey, right before he hits him with the guitar, remember that with the Heart Foundation there? I'm telling the, the crowd wanted to fucking kill him. <laughs> you can't. Yeah. It, it's unbelievable. I mean, people hate the honky tonk man. They think he's terrible. When he pushed Elizabeth down and she, before she went to get Hogan from the back. And when Hogan comes out, the Hershey Park arena almost fell apart. And I'm not sure what happens in pro wrestling today that gets that same visceral reaction because I'm telling you, it was, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And the match grade in the book is, I don't know, like a D or something. Like, you don't get it, man. Like, I You're like, bro, you were there. I, <laughs> you had to be there. Yeah. Man, that's a great shoot the emotion, I, I, And it's yep. a good book. It really is. He, he really tried. And I, I give him a lot of credit. But living through that time period, what it really comes back to before we sign off here is it, pro wrestling goes through these waves, right? The 50s was different than the 60s. It's different than the 70s. And we have to appreciate the history. Uh, and in the 80s, yes, the matches were only four or five minutes long, but they were so important to keeping stories going. And uh, I just love Saturday Night's Main Event, and, and I always will. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I'm glad I read the book, and it, it created some conversation for me. Dude, that is so freaking rad. Calling it how it is. Ladies and gentlemen, let's hear some noise from the crowd there, Hardcore Hoss. For our return guest, longtime member of the Wrestle Talk family, David Buckler. Make some noise, baby. Bravo. David, bring that down, bring that down now. Before you go, do us a favor, drop all the 411 on Wrestle Connects because we cannot let you leave here without putting people on to what I think is going to be a movement. A movement not about the fans, but about the talent. Uh, and, of course, it's, it's always about the fans, but this is a special thing that you guys are doing, and I think we need to highlight it just one more time before you get out of here. Why don't you go ahead and drop all the knowledge? What do people need to know about WrestleConnects? Sure, sure. Thank you again for having me on the show. I always enjoy it. I look forward to the next time. I ask that the listeners – in the business, remember, it is a members-only organization, WrestleConnects.com. Check it out. It's $49.95 a year. It is a nonprofit. All the money we make goes back into the organization to increase the services we can provide to the members. 
whether they be uh, access to life insurance, health insurance, dental insurance, legal advice, electronic press kits, help with financial planning. We're, we're going to have a lot of resources on there to help you with headshots, uh, all those types of things. So check it out, WrestleConnects.com, also on Facebook under the same name. Uh, we'll have uh, and, um, Instagram and Twitter. So check us out. We're going to continue to grow this, too. I think we have a really good idea. We have some great ambassadors up front. Our tagline is learn, share, connect. And I think that really hits on all the three major areas of WrestleConnect. Uh, gentlemen, it's really been a lot of fun to be on the show today. Thank you for the opportunity. An honor and a pleasure. Drake, say goodbye and take us a break. Oh, hey, thank you for letting me do it. All right, Dave, you've been a pleasure. I, I've learned so much, and you can bet your ass I'll be signing up for that pro, for that organization, Wrestling Connect. That's that just it, it literally it's so impressive. I can't wait to have you back on because I'm calling it now. When we ha- whenever you come back on, and it's going to be soon, but when we have you on in two years from now, you're going to be revolutionizing and already past that point of the industry. I'm just so I'm I'm in all of it. I'm a big believer, and to get a compliment out of me is like I don't know. Getting a nun to usually have to you pay for it. School. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again, guys. I really appreciate the time. No problem. Thank you. And you know what, Renee? I think that uh, <clears throat> before uh, we go to break, I just want to point out that I think that we make a pretty good team, even though we argue all the time because you know we don't we don't see eye to eye on a lot of things. But I think we are we're a good team. What do you think? I think we're doing a great job, but uh, if it wasn't for our audio engineer, Hardcore Haas, uh, I don't. I think the show would have fell apart already. So big shout-out to him, Skywalker, Luke Roberts, uh, of course, the maestro of the microphone, Jeremy Carp, and the originator, the creator of the WrestleTalk podcast, the one and only Nightmare Jones. Bro, I think WrestleTalk podcast has a very bright future, Drake. Yeah, it does. Yes, it does. Well, folks. I'm Drake Lee, Renee, Renee, Nightmare Owl, you're right here, or Night night Owl, I'm sorry, Renee, my papers got messed up, I have 45 different notes everywhere, and one of them had Joe's name on it instead of yours, please forgive me, folks, we're going to take a break, because I need to get some wine in my throat to soften it up, you know, Mediterranean men, we need that, we need that oil in our, in our throat, we got to be able to talk, so Renee, I think we're going to take a break. Let's do it. Hardcore Hoss, you know what to do, baby. Hit that music. We're back in two minutes and 20 seconds with hour two of episode 320 of the Wrestle Talk podcast. Could be Clyde, you could be Bonnie 
you buy me. You got that bomb, girl, you can't buy me. You drive me crazy, keep it cruising. When I hear your voice, it's like music. If I play games with you, I lose it. If I like you, that'd be stupid. Yeah. Baby, I'm gon' get you right. Baby, I'm gon' get you right now. Baby, I'm gon' get you right. Baby, I'm gon' get you right now. Baby, I'm gon' get you right. Baby, I'm gon' get you right now. Baby, I'm gon' get you right. Baby, I'm gon' get you right now. Baby, you the type I like. Come here, let me take a bite. I got you turning overnight. It's hard to trust because my shoulders lie. I saw the future, you was in my side. I'm a, I'm a monster, girl, you brought me to life. Sugar, sugar, how'd you get so fly? All these other chicks, they give me no high. I used to be a dog, now you got me on a chain. I would run. Yo, what up? Night Owl, Nightmare Jones. What up, Wrestle Talk fam? Do it for y'all. Check me out. Kick in the door, wave in the 4-4. Even them haters can't hate us no more. So unlock your door, cause we got some more. Every Wednesday we here, keeping it raw. Night out, Nightmare Jones, and all the best guests. Like a double barrel pointed right at your chest. WrestleTalkPodcast.com. Smashing and killing it like the night of the prom. And we are back for hour number two. Whoa, there it is. Hey, wrestling fans, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat talking at you, and you're listening to the Wrestle Talk Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with our number two of the Wrestle Talk Podcast. Your boy, the Night Owl, here on the airwaves alongside Drake Lee. And Drake, you know what? What an absolutely phenomenal first hour of the show. We're just a few minutes away from welcoming on our second guest for the evening, OVW's very own Al Snow. Bro, what did you think about the first hour? I got to hear it. Okay. Uh, first hour, business perspective, because I am an expert. We all know this. Make a lot of money. You can't go wrong. What they're doing, they didn't just create a business. They didn't just drink at a bar one night and go, well, that's a great idea. We got to do it. You can tell they really structured uh, WrestleConnect's to, I mean, it, it's so structured. You can tell by the way that David talked about it, all the moving parts to it. This is it, – it's trend-setting, quite honestly, because I feel like this is going to be one of those things that even though not a lot of people talk about it, you know, fans and, and, and people that work in the wrestling business know that a lot of mainstream ideas come from a lot of wrestling-related ideas. And I think this is going to be one of them that someone takes – and uses for a different genre later on because of how how fluid it is. It's just so structured. No, it absolutely is. And you know what? I, I'm a guy that takes pride in, in keeping things 100 and being honest, bro. I, I think that was uh, one of the best first hours of the Wrestle Talk podcast that we've ever done. And you know what? We're not even close to being done yet. We've got a solid 40, 45 minutes left in the show, bro, and things are about to get better. But I want to ask you a question now as uh, we kind of creep into the second hour. 
I'm curious, and, and it was something that I rather enjoyed. Last week when I listened to the show over at WrestleTalkPodcast.com, I heard about a little something called Drake's Top 5. I would be remiss if we did not get an opportunity to do a Drake's Top 5 today. So would you do us the honor of giving us your Top 5 for this week? Yes. Today we are going to be doing a whole new type of Top 5. Okay? So I feel like, you know, we didn't do it service because we didn't really get to talk about it. Uh, we missed it on the high spots. We had to get our interview going. We didn't talk about Alexa Bliss. I think it's bad because it should have been me. But we're going to move on from that. And we're going to go <laughs> to the Drake's top five women that are beautiful and can kill you at any moment, and you know it. Okay? Number one. I'm cool with that. And we do this. We, we, we do this from – so number one doesn't mean it's the best. Number five is the best. We don't give the lowest number the best. That just doesn't make sense. I don't know why people do that. So number one, the first lady that could kill you, and it was absolutely beautiful. Well, I'll just say it right now. That person is Shanna Baszler, and you'll understand why she's so low on the list as we go forward. I just think she's beautiful, and that girl is a killer. That woman is a killer. Lights out, could rip your arm off. So you better not mess up if you're dating her. Number two. Who do you think it could be? I would guess um, one of the people that would be near my the top of my list would probably be Nia Jax. That would be my my assertion. Yeah, yeah. That, that actually that's a great guess. She's a little bit further up the ladder, but you'll understand my reasoning in a second. Okay. I switched her with this person just for this reason. Number four is Awesome Kong. That woman is beautiful. I I've always thought that for real. And that woman could kill anybody. Vicious, strong, and she will take your lunch money and laugh while she does it, probably. So, there's number two. Number three. This is a big one. Number three is, to me, that woman is beautiful. We know that, and honestly, I think that, quite frankly, her and I make a good pairing, Renee. But what she can do, could you imagine, okay, let me ask you this question, Renee. You're sitting there at home with your beautiful girlfriend, Asuka, okay? And all of a sudden, you decided that you wanted to be Drake Lee for a couple of seconds. And I don't know why you would because, you know, you, you have your own thing going. I know a lot of other people would love that opportunity, but you're more independent. So we don't have to worry about that. But, but you have a little Drake Lee moment. <laughs> and she says something to you, so you smile at her and you say something really smart back to her. I could guarantee you there's about 800 ways she could stretch you before you even thought that she was lunging at you. So that's why she's number three. <laughs> Drake, you're out of your mind. All right. Let's keep going here. Number two is Ronda Rousey. And last minute switch, obviously Ronda Rousey could mash anyone's face in. And we've all seen what she can do in UFC. It's a pretty obvious one. But let's get to number one. It's Nia Jax. Here's why. Yeah! <laughs> Nia Jax is a very beautiful woman. But we have a little bit of an issue with, you know, sometimes people get hurt. So my thinking on putting her number one is if she likes you and she's hurting you, she's probably going to hurt you when she doesn't like you too. So if you're living with Nia Jax and she asked you to take out the goddamn garbage because it's been sitting there for three days, I would do it because you're going to get Samoan dropped into oblivion and you're going to feel lower than the dog did when you screamed at it for knocking over your wine. It's true. <laughs> 
That's a great list, Drake. It really is. And you know what? If you guys want to continue to hear more of Drake's top five, make sure that you lock in uh, to the WrestleTalkPodcast.com. Drake, an absolutely wonderful list this week. I'm going to have to give it a five out of five. Well done, sir. Very well done. Thank you. Thank me. Thank me. Of course. Why, why, why wouldn't I? I mean, we all know it was your assistants that did all the work, but sure, you can take the credit. That's fine. Before That's we move on to our featured interview of the second hour, allow me to remind everybody that this show is made possible by the members of the WrestleTalk family and also our wonderful sponsors, including King Cade, the best up-and-coming retro arcade in Kansas City over at the Oak Park Mall. Make sure you go over there and tell them the WrestleTalk podcast sent you, as well as the Conspiracy Farm with UFC Hall of Famer Pat Milicic and our boy Jay Hollywood. You guys can find them on all podcasting platforms. Also, Esports Bar KC, where we host all of our pro wrestling watch parties over in Shawnee, Kansas. Big shout out to our boy B-Will. Again, make sure you make your way over there and tell them that your boys at the WrestleTalk podcast sent you. And last but not least, Royal Mills Transportation, providing all your transportation needs here in the Kansas City area. As a matter of fact, if you're on I-70 and listening to our boys at I-70 Sports Media, all you got to do is hit up Royal Mills Transportation, and he'll get you from point A to point B. No worry about DUI. You want to take your lady out on the town. Expert service with an absolutely personal touch our boy Dewan Mills over at Royal Mills Transportation. With all that said, Drake, I'm going to put a lot of pressure on you, buddy, because our next guest is somebody that we've been looking forward to talking to for a very long time. And guess what? You get to do the introduction. The floor is yours, my friend. Well, I, I figured you would because, I mean, it's only fair. We all, you know, you got to do David, so I guess I got to do, you know, I, I was really excited. So are you ready, Renee? I am. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there's only one way to introduce this man, and that is he is a revolutionary power player in the industry that is professional wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Mr. Al Snow. Welcome to the show, Al. <laughs> Hi guys, how are you? Thank you for the very nice introduction there. Mr. Snow, welcome to the show. You're talking the night owl, my partner in crime, Drake Lee. Thank you for making time for us tonight. Thank you very much for having me on and giving me the time. I really appreciate it. Awesome, man. Well, we're going to try to do the best with the time that we have this evening. So I'm going to go ahead and get right into it. Uh, there's obviously a lot to encompass throughout your career. I'm personally very interested in everything you're doing with OVW and the the development of the young talent in uh, today's business. But one of the things that really drew me uh, back to you as a fan was your involvement with Collar and Elbow. I've got some friends here in the Midwest who took advantage of Collar and Elbow, and, and I know you were he heavily involved with it. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about the inspiration behind Collar and Elbow and what your aim was when uh, you went ahead and, and kicked that thing off and started supporting it? Well, Collar and Elbow uh, was created by myself and my partner, Rod Hicks. Um, 
we wanted to um, try to give uh, wrestling fans a wrestling brand that kind of represented the passion for wrestling um, that, you know, other sports entertainment had like football, basketball, baseball, you know, football had Under Armour, basketball had Nike, uh, you know, baseball had uh, Nike, Adidas, things like that, that, uh, you know, those, those people that were fans of that could, uh, you know, buy a tire and uh, could represent the passion. And, um, and we both felt like, you know, as grown men, we didn't want to have another man's face on our chest, um, which Same. is what typically uh, was typically out there as far as wrestling merchandise was concerned. Um, and to, you know, and normally when you wear, you're a fan of wrestling and you wear, you know, uh, some kind of merchandise that you're really happy with, you know, there's always some guy at an event at a public place that's like, Hey, hey uh, well, you, you, you like wrestling? Would you know that's fake? And it's like, well, thank you, Angela Lansbury. How long did it take you to put the clues together to solve that mystery? You know, um, and so we wanted to, to create designs that were more like street fashion and were cool and they'd have, they'd have aspects of professional wrestling in them. And if you were a professional wrestling fan, you get it, you understand it. And if you are not a wrestling fan, you just think it looks like a cool shirt. So you don't have to deal with that kind of business. You know, you can, you can still wear it and represent uh, what you enjoy and, uh, and, you know, and it communicates to you. And then, there, you know, there's inevitably, there's always those closet wrestling fans that are out there at a party or a yep. get together that they recognize when you're wearing it and, you know, identify with it and, you know, and it means a lot more to them as well. So, um, if anybody wants to, they can go to collar and elbow and, uh, check them out. We've got, you know, We've got some sales going on right now with some of the older designs because we always come out with new designs every three months. Um, so we just came out with uh, the fall design, uh, fall designs, and then we'll come out with winter ones. And, uh, and the other part of it, too, was uh, we wanted to kind of help out the independent wrestlers because, you know, Lord knows it's hard enough to make a living just wrestling. Um, and a lot of guys – rely on you know selling merchandise and stuff but the the problem is is that if you're not sufficiently over as a brand yourself like if you've not gotten enough exposure you know to any certain degree with an audience it's really difficult to sell you know your own merch like t-shirts are are really a hassle and expensive to buy and and um you know and to carry around, I mean, you know, and then you only, maybe you sell one or two at a show. I mean, you know, the return's tough to get. Um, so to, you know, um, it was a genius of my partner that, you know, we, any new business of the, the struggle is always to find the best and most effective way to market um, what you're doing and not spend a ton of money. And so we kind of came up with a you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours type of situation where, you know, if we could get the brand itself, collar and elbow, uh, recognized and get it acknowledged and get it, um, you know, really uh, over, then what we could do is is offer to the independent wrestlers, you know, that they could make, you know, be sponsored athletes and they could uh, get a code and, and, you know, wear the, wear the uh, t-shirts, wear the apparel, 
um, put it up there and market it on their social media um, that they were sponsored athletes, which in turn helps them because they can now, they've got a discount code that motivates people to use it, which is a 10% off code. And then they basically, for every shirt that's sold with that code, they would get a 40% of the uh, profit, which was, turns out to be about five bucks a shirt um, uh, for each shirt sold. So, you know, if they sold a hundred shirts, they made $500 and, you know, uh, even if they sold, you know, 10 shirts, that's 50 bucks and, you know, that could get them to the next town, you know, if nothing else. Um, so that was our hope that we could give back, uh, that way. Uh, you know, we created the, uh, roundup program for the the cauliflower alley club, um, you know, that has been a huge, charitable institution for professional wrestling and boxing for decades. And we've been able to raise thousands of dollars for the cauliflower alley club. And, and, uh, you know, it really was all born out of just a passion and a love for professional wrestling. Well, I could definitely see that. And just so you know, in the first hour of tonight's show, we actually had uh, David Buckler, formerly of the CAC on with us. And he had nothing but great things to say about you. So clearly that the relationships oh. made through the CAC are still very, very strong. And, and we're all members here, yourself, myself, my co-host, yeah. Drake. We're all longtime members of the CAC, and uh, we obviously know what they bring to the table. So kudos to you for you guys have contributed because they're, they're doing big things. This year's obviously been rough on them, just like everybody else. Oh, yeah. uh, but the CAC, man, that's a special organization for sure. Certainly, yeah. And, you know, we were taught in the wrestling business, you know, um, it's in the one of the many rules when I broke in was that we, you know, we take care of ourselves, you know, we take care of each other. Um, we take care of the boys and, uh, you know, CAC has done a marvelous job of doing that over the years. And, you know, what we can do, what little we can do to help contribute to that and assist in that, it, it, uh, it's only the right thing. Well, and beyond that, I wanted to ask you, because one of the things that, uh, that that I know for sure here throughout the Midwest where I do some ring announcing and commentary is that people always turn to you for information, whether they make the trip up to OBW or they're watching your stuff on YouTube. Where do you think that comes from? Like w- when you were coming up in the business, were guys always real good about taking you under their wing? And is that something that you kind of inherited from the OGs in the business? Or does that come from some something else, like maybe in your childhood or, or growing up? Uh, no, you know, I had a lot of, uh, I was fortunate and had a lot of guy, good guys. You know, the guy that trained me, Jim Lancaster and, and uh, Al Costello, uh, you know, former of the Fabulous Kangaroos and um, and Mickey Doyle, uh, would be remiss without, you know, talking about him, you know, but others too. I mean, there were plenty of others that, um, you know, in their own way, uh, took me under their wing and were trying to to help me. You know, it's just that, uh, at that time, you know, and um, the wrestling business is not a very verbal business. It's more of a very tactile business, and you kind of learn by doing. And uh, you know, it would, uh, you know, as I get older, I learn, I realize a lot of the lessons that I was taught that I just didn't pick up on at the time because I was too young and too green uh, to see the whole picture because they, they didn't out and out tell you. They just kind of let you feel your way, so to speak. And, uh, but, you know, those, those lessons were, were invaluable. And, um, you know, I have a passion for, uh, wrestling, you know, for professional wrestling, for the art of professional wrestling. And I feel, and always have felt that there's, 
certain aspects of professional wrestling that are intrinsic, that uh, have always been there, that they've always been there for a reason. They serve a purpose. They have a, a structure and a, a reason um, that allowed uh, professional wrestling to not only survive but thrive at different times in different areas and, and without passing along those intrinsic things, um, you know, the, the real art of professional wrestling starts to, uh, starts to suffer. Now, you know, the, in the, a lot of people take the tact and then they're rightfully so that since it's an art form that, right. you know, it's open to interpretation, which it is, you know, but, um, but there, it's still like a certain, there are certain styles of art that you have to follow certain parameters and, you know, the, the real art form of professional wrestling is to make an audience believe in the singular lie that is in professional wrestling, which is that we're out there really in a competitive situation trying to, to win and lose because we're prize fighters. Um, you know, no different than boxing or MMA. And, uh, you know, and to do that to those end, you know, you do have to follow certain precepts and, you know, and there were certain rules of conduct and etiquette and how to conduct business that, you know, um, are slowly being lost these days and uh, have kept, you know, kept everybody in the, in uh, in a certain place that allowed us all to communicate and continue to do business with each other in a very, very weird dichotomous situation where, you know, you're required to go out and individually make yourself a star, but at the same time, you can't be a star without everybody else involved. So, you know, it's a, it's kind of a weird situation. Well, everybody's absolutely got to be in on it, including the fans. That's for sure. And, and I love to hear you hearing you reminisce uh, about some of the stuff that you know helped influence what some of the stuff that you're doing now. And in doing my research uh, for the interview, I did find that early on in your career, you competed in the Midwest, uh, specifically uh, Saint uh, Saint Louis, uh, just a couple of weeks into your career against a couple of um, fairly high profile names in this area, uh, Carrie uh, the Crusher Blackwell. Uh, Hercules Hernandez. Uh, do you have any memories you could share with the listeners of the Wrestle Talk podcast, Al, about your oh, yeah. uh, early career and, and your stops in St. Louis? Yeah, you know, I used to when I when I first started out. You know, I um, basically started out as a as a, as a job guy. That was how you would you know you'd slowly break your way in. Is that you know you weren't in the territory that so the people understand what a job guy is is that job guys weren't guys that lost. That wasn't the case. Job guys were brought in because they weren't in the territory, so they weren't making any money on the live events each week. Um, they only made money at the TV, and they were paid. They were the only ones that were paid for TV. So, like, if I worked with Kerry Von Erich or Ray Hernandez, Hercules Hernandez, or you know Crusher Blackwell, um, or Dewey Robertson, or uh, Mike George, or any of those guys, Bulldog Bob Brown. Those guys, they didn't get paid for TV because they made their money on the live events. And by being on TV, that was what made them a factor in how many people showed up at the live events. Um, so they got a percentage of the house. Whereas I just came in just for TV. Um, I was there for the day, and I got paid per tape. And usually they did two to three tapes you know, at a time. And so you work two or three times. And... Uh, you know, you were there to basically get the other, you know, the talent that were going to go out on the line of events over. And then uh, that's how you broke in. You know, you, you weren't trusted to actually have a match. 
by any means, and you were always put in with, uh, you know, uh, someone that had far more uh, experience than you, um, um, you know, and then they led you. They told you what to do, when to do it, why to do it, you know, um, how much to do, when to speed up, when to slow down, when to stay down, when to get up, when to fight back. You did nothing on your own because um, they just didn't trust you. And, uh, and it took a long, slow process to, uh, to develop that trust. And um, I, you know, went in, I broke in in May 22nd of 1982, and then I went to St. Louis for the first time out to, the, uh, out to wrestling at the chase. Uh, Sam Muchnick and uh, two weeks later uh, after I'd had my first match I was out in uh, out there and I had my first TV match with Kerry Von Erich and then the next match was with uh, uh, Ray Hernandez who um, messed up a uh, neck breaker and we clunked heads and uh, swelled up my left eye like bigger than a $3 honeydew I couldn't see out of it for I don't know how many week a week or two and then uh, it gave me a concussion. And, um, you know, so that was one of many starting from that point on. Um, and, uh, you know, that was the beginning of uh, going and I would go out. I'd work for, you know, in Missouri, you know, to go to the chase and do the TV matches and go to uh, Minnesota uh, for Vern Gagne and do the TV matches and down to the Paphos and, Eastern Kentucky and Tennessee and do TV matches and up into Windsor and, you know, work for, uh, you know, um, uh, George Cannon and, uh, and then over into Indianapolis for Dick the Bruiser. And uh, so it was fun. Oh man, that, that sounds fantastic. Uh, thank you for sharing that. And my final question before I throw it over to uh, my co-host Drake is uh, I'm curious about your time uh, with Jim Cornette in Smoky Mountain I know that was, again, early on in your career. Do you have any stories or memories of, of working down there? Well, that wasn't too early on in my career. I mean, I met Jimmy early because I used to when um, WCW, uh, the Crockett's, started to come up and run Sheik's old territory in Ohio. Um, they would use local guys for the undercard on the house shows, and so – uh, Jim, who had used to work for Crockett, you know, would get himself, get him booked and get me booked and uh, a couple of other guys. And uh, I met Cornette then. And then I didn't actually work for Cornette until 1995 in Smoky Mountain. Um, uh, he brought me in to kind of be a smart-ass uh, heel. And, uh, and he, because he had seen me, uh, prior to that, you know, he never really had an interest in me, always thought it was a good hand, but never really had an interest because I didn't have a definable personality or anything. And he saw me as a corner man for uh, Dan Severn because I had trained Dan Severn for his first appearance in UFC for UFC 4. And I kind of was a bit of a smart aleck. And, you know, uh, Dan had won the first two fights because that was back then it was three, you know, to fight three times in a single night. It was a tournament. And, uh, you know, the guy was asking what he was going to do after the second fight. And, you know, I knew he was trying to get, you know, Dan to put a hoist over. And then Dan wasn't, you know, he wasn't in a frame of mind to speak. And so I just grabbed the mic and said, you know, what do you think he's going to do? He's going to go back in the locker room and have sex. And 
the guy immediately pulled the mic away and apparently Cornette thought it was hilarious and, and, uh, um, called me up and, you know, maybe offered me an opportunity to come down and work. And, um, so I did. And, you know, really that was what opened and that's the door one way to get over. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Shit. But that was what opened the door to an opportunity with WWF with Vince McMahon and, you know, and to kind of start going the right direction. So I can't thank him enough. You know, I, I owe him, I owe him a lot. Wow. That's really, that's really interesting. And, and now this is Drake. And I, I'm really excited to ask you this question because I've been watching the last couple of years as we transition um, into OVW, just the development of, of this brand and what you've done with it. And you aren't only just propelling a brand, in my opinion, that's going to be strong for a couple of years. I mean, you're, you're building this for, for a lifetime of success. And there's so many things that you, you've, you've done and incorporated with OVW. But my big question is, uh, just to start off, when you're developing these ideas with the with the school and the you know the actual school along with the training school, and you have these variables going at coming and going at you, what uh, was the biggest hiccup when you were set when you were trying to really finalize this or really get the ball going? What's that? Um, what was that kind of that one thing that kind of just hicked up things and, and held you back a little bit in, in your path? Because even though you know everyone that's listening goes. Well, come on. How does Al Snow have any trouble doing this? I mean, in business, everyone's everyone, and it, it <laughs> takes a lot, you know. So, right. And and my question is, what was that biggest hiccup? What was that biggest hurdle that you had to to overcome to really get the ball rolling with such a great product? Well, first off, thank you very much, and that's a testament to all you know the guys that are helping me and working with me, and uh, you know, I can't thank everybody enough that, you know, all the talent and everybody that, you know, to follow my vision and, and my direction and, and to try to make it a reality. Um, the, uh, the biggest hiccup or the biggest challenge, I guess, um, initially was being told that I couldn't do it because it had never been done before. Um, you know, um, it was very tough to try to get everybody on the same page and get them to understand and see that just because it hadn't been done doesn't mean it can't be done. And just because, you know, we don't necessarily have all of the resources that we need, if you want it bad enough, there you'll find a way to do it. And um, the second one, I think, was uh, was making the first, you know, getting the designation or the accreditation as an actual trade school for professional wrestling and sports entertainment and broadcasting. Um, that had never been done. Um, and when we went to the state office of proprietary education, uh, gratefully, um, the head of that, she was, she was very open to the idea and thought that it was very needed um, and understood its need and its necessity um, and um, was of a big help for that, but it still took about almost a year and a half to go through all of the steps and the, um, you know, paperwork and, uh, um, because they don't do it lightly. They don't hand out uh, accreditation as an actual trade school very easily. And, um, especially for something as unusual as professional wrestling. And, uh, right. So we had a very, very tough, very challenging way to go. Um, you know, but thanks to my partner, uh, Chad Miller and I, you know, Chad helped immensely because he really worked on the paperwork part of things. 
um, because it was the the forms. Uh, I think we turned in a it was a binder that we had to turn in. We had to turn in three hard copied by of binders. They were full, and they were at least over 650 pages long, front and back, of all of the information that we had to supply on the operation of the trade school to get accreditation. It was it was insane. Um, it, it, you know, we took it to Kinko's or one of those places so that we could get it printed and collated. And I think it was almost $200 that it cost to just get all of that printed up to submit it in hard form to the state. It was, uh, it was crazy. Wow. I, so I literally just took a bunch of stuff to, to the printing company and I only had a hundred sheets printed off and I'm going, wow, that's a little bit too much, but I can only imagine <laughs> that printing yeah. bill. You know, so real real quick before we go on, I my question is: You've been doing this for a long time with just with training with training talent and training uh, prospective wrestlers that really really want to make an end in the industry. And has your perception on training uh, potential students um, has that changed since the founding of o- or since you uh, took over OVW, or has it um, re- kind of has your opinion on it stayed the same or gotten stronger with? Uh, the with OVW, how you train um, individuals, your style, and and how you you know present information with your team, uh, you know to those uh, trainees. Uh, no, my opinion hasn't changed. Um, in fact, it's only enforced my opinion about you know what's so severely lacking when it comes to training for professional wrestling these days. There are you know in the you know there is no one particular way per se to do it. Um, everybody has a different style, a different feel, and uh, and I encourage all of that. Um, but um, it's you know you need to teach the truly the basics and the fundamentals of professional wrestling because like any truly any fighting form, which professional wrestling is quite real, um, it's catch wrestling is what it is, and um, you know the only fake thing about professional wrestling is that the outcome is predetermined. And, and if you don't know the real precepts of catch wrestling, pro- professional wrestling, then there's no way that you can potentially sell because selling is not just acting like you're hurt. Uh, selling the concept of selling is to convince sell an audience on the belief that you're actually out there trying to utilize whatever it is you're utilizing to try to win and not lose. Um, because the only consequence, the only, the only ramification or repercussion from anything that's done in the ring is that it could possibly make you lose. And, and you don't want to lose because if it were real, that would mean that you wouldn't get paid or not paid as much. And if you didn't get paid or paid as much, well, now you're, you know, you're in jeopardy of not being able to pay your rent or eat as well. And, you know, if that were the case, then your sole proclivity towards, entering the professional wrestling ring would be to try to win. And that has been the one thing that we've always tried to sell. Um, and that's the, the, the thing that intrinsically is being lost is that if you watch the talent these days, they do, you know, they're so incredibly athletic, but they're so focused on selling what they do, not why they do it. Um, you know, and, um, and so I'll, I need desperately to instruct the talent these days on the proper timing, footwork, and distance so that they can not only um, 
perform believably, convincingly, and but also intensely without being able to convince their opponent, but only convincing their audience. Um, so that that way, um, not only will they have a successful career, but they'll have a very lengthy one. Um, you know, it makes no sense to be able to make them, you know, people think, oh, you made a million dollars in a year. You're making money. And nothing can be further from the truth. A million dollars a year is a lot of money, yes. But where you really make money is when you made a million dollars a year for 10 years each year. That's where you've now started to really make money and get ahead. And that's where your life can change financially. And you can now still do what you want to do on your terms. Um, And you can leave the business on your terms. Um, But without having that length of a career, without having that understanding, without having that basis and the basics and the fundamentals, without having, you know, knowing how to capitalize on those opportunities and what those, and being able to identify those opportunities for what they really are, um, then you're no different than anybody else. And, you know, in the professional wrestling business, there's so few spots of uh, in-ring performers, you know, for in-ring performers these days, it's easier to become an, a, a, you know, a, a player uh, for, the, uh, you know, for the NFL and a major team because there are more, quite honestly, the percentages are higher because there are more spots on each team. You know, when you think of the numbers of uh, prospective professional wrestlers, I know that in the state of Kentucky alone, there's probably, I think, 5,000 licensed professional wrestlers in just this state. So if you multiply that across, you know, all 50 states, there's probably no less than 100,000 professional wrestlers, you know, to, that are operating to some degree. Um, now, the term professional we'll use loosely um, in, in <laughs> right. the United States, okay? In, the, in, the, in, in WWE, there's, there's how many main roster spots in, you know, with NXT, how many spots are there with you know, that you're going to be one of those in-ring performers, you know, and then how, how, how stiff is the competition to not only gain, but to maintain that spot and be able to capitalize on it to its fullest extent for as long as you possibly can, you know, so you're going to need to know and, and, you know, as much as you possibly can to where when you do, if you really have a passion, you really have a desire to be successful in professional wrestling, you will. You'll have you'll have an opportunity. Uh, make no mistake, you'll get one if you really are hungry and you really want to do. You know, you don't make excuses because uh, I tell everybody all the time that if you if you really want something, you can do anything. That, it, that's the God's honest truth. You can do anything, but if you if you want it bad enough, you'll find a way. If you don't, you'll find you'll make excuses. That's that's a fact. Um, and, you know, you may not have it happen as quickly as you want, but you will make it happen. But when you get that opportunity, if you aren't prepared, if you don't know how best to capitalize on that opportunity, if you've not learned from someone who has been there and has made those mistakes and has that experience, then you're doing yourself a disservice and injustice by, you know, just attending any old wrestling school because, you know, that's the frustrating part is, like I said, used to there were standards. The standards were, 
you know, it was very difficult. It was very closed. It's very secular wrestling business because of the reason that if I trained you, I was held personally accountable for you. So I was putting at risk my livelihood by bringing you in and speaking for you and training you and basically putting my name on you. Um, and that, that's gone, unfortunately. Now there aren't those standards anymore. You know, uh, um, you know, I find it uh, abhorrent and I find it insulting that, you know, my, my wife, my beautiful wife, who's a professional uh, masseuse, um, she has had to go to a, a state accredited training facility. She had to be taught by a state accredited teacher. She had to complete a certain number of hours. Um, then she had to, you know, complete a certain number of residency hours or internship before she was even allowed to take a test to be a licensed masseuse. Um, you know, and and let's face it, I mean, you know, there are, I'm sure, certain physical risks with a profession, but not like they are with professional wrestling, where every time you step in the ring against an opponent, you are you're putting yourself or that other person. There is a degree of risk that you will or they will suffer a life-altering injury or a life-ending one. Um, and it's sad that, you know, now these days, uh, at least one to two people a year die in, in a wrestling event, in a wrestling ring, which is absurd. Um, and, and there are no standards for it. And, um, you know, it's my hope that not only am I going to be able to create those standards um, and raise the level for everyone and make it, make it better for everyone, but, um, you know, also give these young men and women skills that they all have a career outside of the ring because, let's face it, it's not a matter of if their career is going to come to an end in the ring. It's a matter of when. And if you're not one of those one percenters that, you know, or I should even say a tenth of a percenter, like a Randy Orton's like a tenth of a percenter, John Cena's like a tenth of a percenter, you know, you know, The Rock was a tenth of a percenter. If, if you're not one of those tenth of a percenters, you're going to have to make a living and have skills to do so after your long after your career and the ring ends. And, you know, what better way than to have training, to have information, to have skills, to have a background that allows you to then continue to contribute, but just from a production side of a backstage side that you could be a producer, you'd be a director, you can, you can handle a camera, you can lighting, sound, so many different, you know, there's so many different, make a good living doing so. Um, and that was really the motivation behind, you know, creating the trade school aspect of it that I don't think people really understand or value yet um, for what it really is, um, which is, you know, understandable, um, but disappointing because, you know, uh, if, I, if, I, if I were a parent and, I, and my kid came to me and wanted to be a professional wrestler, I'd want them to go someplace that, you know, that I knew they were going to be as prepared as possible. Um, you know, and, uh, and I'm hoping that, uh, you know, maybe my example will lead the way for, you know, many others and that we can go back to having a, a true standard in regards to just what it takes to be a real quote unquote professional wrestler and not just in the term or in the name, but in the actual standards of creating a level, a bar that says, okay, if you want to claim that you're this, that you're a professional, then you're going to have to ha- reach and be taught to this level before you can then walk around and tell people 
that you're you're part of, you know, you've been indoctrinated into the club because unfortunately, you know, that's not the case these days. You know, anybody can rent a building and anyone with any level of experience and understanding can, you know, simply say, hey, I'm a professional wrestling trainer and uh, if you want to get into the wrestling business, come on down and, you know, um, and, you know, regardless of whether you're in physical condition or, or not, um, you know what? It doesn't matter as long as you can afford to pay the tuition. We'll let you in the door. Um, and I that I find that insulting. Right, and I and I couldn't agree with you more. And and honestly, I could have a conversation just alone with you for like three days over this because everything you're saying is is, is just hits to home. Um, it, I I train at Dynamo Pro in St. Louis, and the first thing that was told to me is. Listen, what you do in this, and they said the same thing. Not every, you aren't going to be John Cena. If you're coming into this thinking you're going to be John Cena, that is way out of, you need to focus on just train, getting the basics down. But the big thing was you guys have to have a, a, something, a career or some type of, you know, way to make money on top of this because a lot of guys came into the under, you know, with the impression I got, you know, some new guys and, and even I did. We're going to make it right away. We're going to be on. You know, we're going to be on TNT. We're going to be on USA in, in three months, and that's the furthest thing from the truth. And I, what I do is I, I watch a lot of old seminars, and I watched one that you gave, and it was in Canada. And you actually used a Dynamo Pro's wrestling ring, and I, I found that out just looking at it going, I, I, that's, that's Dynamo's ring. But anyway, you were given this, and I'm seeing a couple of the guys that, that train down there now, and I'm going, I get where they took some of their information from and not – and not like trainers, trainers, but guys that are, are still in the business working very hard and doing great things that they took so much from what you said to them and they translated it into how they're working, you know, today. And I think that just shows how crucial and how, you know, informative, you know, your seminars and, and just you in general are for this, this industry. And that's really what it is, is an industry and, and you creating OVW and setting a platform and a par for everyone else to follow. That's a huge deal. And I just I can't thank you enough for that that you know time to talk about it because I'm very interested in business development and something that is something I take very much passion in. and just the fact that you did it is incredible. But I know Renee has sent me 185 messages that if I don't you know <laughs> give the show back to the owner then I'm in trouble and I make a lot of money out but I need the job you know. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Well, well. And the only reason I was pressing you, Drake, is because there was one very important thing that uh, – well, Al said a lot of important things. I hope you guys had your notebooks out while he, uh, he was talking. Uh, but you said, you know, professional, and I use that term loosely. There, there's a guy that I think we're both very familiar with that, that I think exemplified professionalism. He was actually a two-time guest on the show. And the second time he was on the show, Al, he actually called us to keep his commitment. In order to be able to keep his commitment, he actually called us from the emergency room of a hospital and no matter what we said or how many times we messaged him, we're like, Hey buddy, if you want to like reschedule or cut it short or whatever, then we can do that. But he, there was no hesitance. He wanted to do it. He's like, what the hell? I'm just sitting here staring at the goddamn wall. Uh, all there's on TV is a bunch of crap. So what would I rather do than be talking wrestling? And that man, God rest his soul is none other than Tracy Smothers. With uh, the little bit of time we have left, uh, we'd also like to get into a little bit of a trivia competition with you so we can end things on a high note. But, man, please do us a okay. favor and talk to us a little bit about Tracy and your experiences uh, with the late, great Tracy Smothers. Uh, you know, I was blessed to meet Tracy 
you know, back in 95 when I first started in Smoky Mountain and, uh, you know, what, a there's, no, you know, what can you say? I mean, you know, uh, passionate, uh, driven, you know, just awesome human being, uh, just kind, uh, generous, uh, cared about everybody, wanted to, you know, give back to the wrestling business, give back to the young wrestlers, uh, you know, and try to acquaint them with what was really important and what really mattered. And he understood as much as I do that, uh, you know, the wrestling business has and always will be the wrestler's business. It's, it's, that's the way it is. And, you know, it's unfortunate, um, you know, that so many young wrestlers today uh, believe the, believe the fallacy that the wrestling business has changed, that somehow it's, it's become something else and, and nothing can be further from the truth. Um, It's evolved, it's grown, it's developed, you know, but the art of what we're trying to do still remains the same. Um, You know, and the further we detach ourselves from that, the less likely that we are to be able to be truly successful in what we want to do. And Tracy was very much understood that and tried to get the younger wrestlers to, to understand that as well so that it would help them have a better opportunity to be able to do this for a living and nothing else, regardless of how much money you make. Really the goal for anyone who gets into it is that they want to pursue this and do this and this alone and not have to have some other, you know, source of income, um, you know, you know, and, and I've been blessed to be able to do it as long as I've been able to do it for 38 years and, you know, and sometimes I've made a lot of money and sometimes I've not made a bunch. You know, I've not made much, um, but I've been able to do it. And that truly is the, you know, for these guys is it. And Tracy was so, he understood that too and wanted so desperately for these guys to have that experience as well. And, um, you know, um, it's just sad um, that we've lost him. One of the greatest things about my involvement in professional wrestling is I've gotten to meet so many amazing, wonderful people. Um, and I've been so blessed to know them. And the downside is that I've gotten older. I've had to be forced to sit and watch and lose those same people. Um, and then the numbers just keep going up, but I don't mourn what I've lost. I celebrate what I've had and, you know, nobody can say they've been luckier than I, to have known as many as wonderful people as I've known from all over the world. Dude, that that's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, we know that, you know, what's hot is hot and you know, what's on Twitter is on Twitter, but they're, they're just some guys that deserve more than uh, 180 characters and Tracy Smothers without a doubt uh, was one of those guys. So uh, with that said, uh, like I said, we want to end it on a positive note. So Drake, I believe that I'm going to get the opportunity of a lifetime to go one on one with the great Al Snow in tonight's edition of the Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge. I'm going to admit I'm a little intimidated because this guy's been in the business for 38 years. I said back in the day when I referenced 1995, and he goes, "That wasn't early in my career." <laughs> so I'm I'm a yeah, little well, reluctant, but but I'm ready to go. Let's go, Daddy. Can you break it down for us? Yeah. Well, before that, um, Al, I just want to congratulate you on your easy victory over Renee tonight in the trivia challenge before it even starts. <laughs> Oh, come on. Oh, let's let's uh, let's uh, let's let's be careful now. Let's not get too 
too much too soon now. I, you know, uh, I've had I, a lot of a lot of uh, head injuries, so we don't know how this is going to function. <laughs> a lot of steel chairs to the head. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I think that uh, I think we can kick off the game show challenge. I'm ready. What are you? Are you guys ready? Al, are you ready? Renee, sure, I'm ready. ready. I'm ready. All right, Let's go. hit the music. Welcome to this week's installment so the, of the world famous the theme song to the hundred thousand dollar pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Hey, copyright infringement. We don't say the name, but yes, oh, <laughs> you sorry. nailed it. That's all good. <laughs> Go ahead, Ray. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the world. This week's installment of the world famous Russell Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge. Tonight's contest is scheduled for the best two out of three falls. Our contestants on. This episode of the Russell Talk Trivia Game Show Challenge is yours truly, the Night Owl, Renee Martinez, and Al Snow. In a few moments, I'll be asking them three questions about particular professional wrestling and a certain topic. Whenever you think you know the answer to the question, just shout it out. And, Renee, uh, good luck. You're going to need it. With that being said, Survivor Series is a week away. Tonight, the Game Show uh, Challenge category is the new champions. I will give information about three famous professional wrestlers who won championships at Survivor Series. When you think you know who I'm talking about, please shout out your answer. The first person to win two falls will win tonight's contest. Ready? Got it. All right, what so you, you, you start saying the clues. You start saying the clues, and as soon as we think we know the answer, we just shout it out, right? Yes, sir. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure I was clear. Let's go. All right. In the first WWF championship match held at Survivor Series in 1991, this future WWE Hall of Famer defeated Hulk Hogan. Undertaker. To win Ultimate Warrior. Al Snow is up one nothing. Dang it. Okay. All right. <sighs> uh, I kind of knew this was going to happen, Renee, but it's okay. It's okay. We'll get through this. <laughs> Shut up, Drake. <laughs> <laughs> Question two. At the 1994 edition of Survivor Series, this former WWF, WWF champion excuse me, and 2013 Hall of Famer used the acting skills of Owen Hart to convince his mother to throw in the towel as Bret Hart locked in the cross-faced chicken wing. Bret Hart. To win. Uh, Vince McMahon. Wrong. <laughs> no, that would be, uh, wouldn't that be Bruce Hart? N- not quite. I'll, I'm going to keep going, and if you guys know the answer, just oh, shout I'm it sorry. out. I'm sorry. That was Bob Backlund. That was Bob Backlund. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Absolutely. Dang it! Wow. Clean sweep. Who, who saw that coming? Hmm, I did. We have another I'm, question, look, though. And I'm going to tell you right now, though. Sure, I'm going to yeah. avoid the sweep right now. I'm going to avoid the sweep. Let's hope so. Okay. Because I will never let Renee live this down <laughs> I because no I chance. called the mauling. Okay. Question three. At the 1995 Survivor Series, this two-time WWE Hall of Famer defeated Diesel in a no-disqualification match to become the WWF champion. Shawn Michaels. Two, wrong. <laughs> two two no, years no, later, he would – you're right. <laughs> it is Bret Hart. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we, we have a mauling. <laughs> I 
choked. <laughs> I knew all the answers. I just got nervous and choked. Damn it. Well, Al, I got to tell you this. There's no better way to reward you for just killing Renee in this challenge than with this music. Play it, please. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. And they stay there. And they stay there. What a mauling, Renee. <laughs> you know, I, I swear, I feel like that, but <laughs> I feel like I just got hit with a mannequin head in the stomach like 18 consecutive times. That's how I feel right now, bro. I'm I'm done. <laughs> how do you think we feel? We had to listen to this. We had to listen to the mauling. Oh, we feel you, you you called it, but you know what? I was happy to have participated in it, and I'm even happier to do this. Number one, to welcome Al Snow as the newest member of the WrestleTalk family. And number two, Al, we know you're extremely busy, but we would love to be a platform for you, OBW, and anything you've got going on, brother. Anytime you want to come on and get the word out, particularly the fans of the Midwest and the uh, Upper East Coast, uh, which is the primary area of our coverage, just know you have a home right here on the Wrestle Talk podcast, man. Th- thank you so thank much you. for your time. Thank you guys very much. I really appreciate that, and I appreciate you guys giving me time tonight to kind of, you know, talk about the trade school and and uh, you know what we're doing here in OVW. I'm, we're doing a lot of big things, and uh, we keep getting uh, more and more uh, national television access each uh, every time we turn around, and. Um, and international as well. And, um, you know, we're hoping to just keep building the platform and, and giving, uh, you know, the next generation of wrestlers a, a place that they can learn and develop. And um, uh, and then the uh, older wrestlers have had the run to come back and play, have a place to uh, reinvent themselves and possibly get another run and give the fans, you know, a little bit of an alternative. Uh, to everything else they see out there. So, Wow. And, and Drake, if you would indulge me, this is, you know, I, I'm 1984, right? That's when I was born. If you would indulge me and allow me Ouch. to do this, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of tonight's Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge, the Avatar, the Five Star Ninja, Leaf Cassidy, Shinobi, da- Diamond Dave, Mass Ninja, Small Show, Steve Moore, and of course, the one and only Al Snow. <laughs> I just Thank lived out a lifelong much. dream. Thank you for letting me do that, bro. That's awesome. Great. <laughs> say goodbye, man. Hey, Al, I can't thank you enough. I Like I said, we could, I could have a conversation about what you're doing with OBW for like a week and a half straight because what you're doing is incredible. It's trailblazing, and I can't wait to see what happens in the next couple of years. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you guys very much. And anytime you want me back on, just let me know. I'd be more than happy to, to return. Thank you. You got we it, Drake. Well, you, brother. Safe travels. We will. Drake, brother, the maiden voyage of the Night Owl and Drake Lee. Bro, I, I'm telling you, this could not have gone any better. I have to get your thoughts on what was definitely one of the funnest shows we've ever done, man. I can't. So, folks listening to the show right now, mark it on your calendar. What's today's date? 
November. I just had 18,000 radio shows today. Yep, November 15th. Okay, on November 15th at the top of the hour at 6 o'clock, Renee and I have completely agreed for like the first and probably only time ever. This show was so informative. It was so fun to do. And what I think the biggest takeaway from the show is, Renee, is that this industry isn't going away anytime soon. We're evolving every day in every way. And what we got out of these interviews with David and Al, I mean, any wrestler that's trying to that's currently training or even you know traveling the road, listen to these interviews because the information that they're going to take away from this is knowledge hands bombs, down, bro. Two yeah, hours just, of knowledge bombs, crazy. You, you, it, amazing. And you know what, Renee, thank you for having me on. This is the only time I'll say the T word. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, that ladies was really, and gentlemen, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just saying because it was really informative and I learned, actually I had, I had a joy doing it with you. And I'm glad that we got to have our, our greatness, our individual greatness combined into one just great show today. So thank you guys, Renee. Thank you. And I will see you guys very soon. No question. It was like like Captain America and Tony Stark teaming up, like the Avengers, except I'm definitely Tony Stark. No question. <laughs> Amigo, I don't know who your boy the night owl, on behalf of Hardcore Hoss, our audio engineer, my co-host, <clears throat> and I hate saying this, the thoroughbred of lust, Drake Lee. That brings us to the conclusion of episode 320 of the Wrestle Talk podcast. Huge thanks again to all of our wonderful sponsors. Make sure you visit the merch booth for more information on them over at WrestleTalkPodcast.com, and we will catch you guys very, very soon. Everybody have a great night. Grace and peace. Hoss, hit the music. We're out of here, guys. You shine on the track, boy. Tomorrow I'll tell you the same thing If you ain't with us, that's a damn shame Yeah, they just ask me what I'm doing So I tell them that I'm cooling Yeah, they ask me what I'm doing So I tell them that I'm cooling About to make a ring, grab your ponchos But don't you touch my chips and cheese because it's not Joe's And now I got lettuce, so I got tacos So now I got more greens than a thought nose So I got your top yeah, I mean your top chick Got her legs in the air Like she missed the drop kick I'll even eat an Asian rod So I need some chopsticks Everybody gon' say it's rockin' when I drop this <laughs> Oh, I'm riding with like four bitches And then I leave it With the Lucky Land Slots You can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.